So if you had to kind of maybe put in a crystal ball, uh, Larry, how would you guess kind of five years from now that sales is going to change? Um, well, really good question. Um, I would say I'm going to take kind of the, the here and now, you know, right now, right? We're in my my humble opinion, and I'm not an economist by any stretch of the imagination, but I pay attention enough to know that we're we're in and and you know heading into probably a super difficult time in selling. You know, we've seen it in 2000, we saw it in 2008, and you know I think this is a time where the fundamentals actually really pay off, where you as a sales rep or as a company, you know, invest in those deals that are winnable. I think you know super strong adherence to things like Medic. I think this is where tools like Decision Link are absolutely critical because you're going to be fighting for smaller budgets. Companies are going to be, you know, really shy to spend money because they're trying to figure out um, how and to weather the storm and how long the storm is going to last and those sorts of things. Um, so I guess the way I think about it is, you know, those fundamental selling capabilities, you know, I don't think those chain have changed much over the course of time. I think the way customers buy you know, it has changed what we sell to them, how we you know, sell to them. The, the one thing I would say that I do think is coming is, you know, in the SaaS world, we're doing these subscription contracts and they tend to be term-based. Um, I think utility models are, are going to consume us all. Um, and it's going to be based on how much of your service am I using and whether people like it or not. I, I think it's coming. So I think we have to uh, be prepared for that and, and understand what that means. And, and I think, you know, back to our our discussion around um, customer success, mm -hmm. that organization becomes even that much more important, right? Because now you're, you know, you're really selling month to month versus, you know, even just, hey, we got a renewal coming in three years. So my my two cents, we'll see. Definitely. And it's it's interesting. Some of the companies I deal with now, you know, it's you know, age old, you know, the reps say, oh, the deals are pushing, deals are pushing. But, you know, a lot of the basics that you just went through, I mean, those are just, you know, kind of tried and true. And for lack of better words, I'd say I think sales is you know, in a lot of companies is just turning into being sloppy. I do a, a weekly post that might be old school, but but it's like every time I'm, it's, it's I mean, it's not rocket science. Right. But it's like, yeah, how can you not? be on a call and, you know, book the, book the next follow-up call. How do you not do a prompt recap note? How do you not have an agenda? How do you, I mean, these are just all, it's like the selling the product, you know, it's yeah. kind of the, you know, <laughs> should be the hard thing, but you know, many times the hard thing is, okay, just do all the basic stuff that have, has been, been around forever. Crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Agreed. Um, so MJ, what about you? If you had to put your, uh, look in your crystal ball, what would you say how uh, sales is going to change? Yeah, I think I agree with, with both of you on, on parts of that, um, for the customer success side, I completely agree. And even if the market doesn't fully switch to a utility model, I think Larry's absolutely right in that the philosophy of that and like the desire, um, of, of having that from the customer side is always going to continue to exist. And, justifying the spend is going to be more difficult even on a renewal side if the relationship is strong. Um, so what I've been kind of looking at with a few of the companies I'm working with right now actually is while they're projecting out their hiring plans and their targets for the next couple of years, a lot of, and I think this is a, a, a mistake a lot of smaller companies make, is they think more reps equal more revenue and that's not necessarily the, the kind of one-to-one -one ratio. So I think you have really, if you have really good reps and to your point, Randy, we're things are getting sloppy. If you can find the ones that are really good and elevate them while then investing heavier on the headcount in customer success to help kind of balance that weight of existing book of business, that's where I see um, kind of successful companies moving to. 
No, great. Uh, and, you know, Larry, I think you, you already touched on or covered it, but anything else you'd add to the importance of uh, value selling? No, I mean, it, it, to me, it's it's just core and fundamental to the selling period. And, you know, as I work with early stage companies, that's the first thing I, I hit them on is, all right, you've identified a problem. Well, what's, what's the cost of the problem? What's the value of, of solving the problem? You know, all those sorts of things. And if you can't articulate that, you're going to struggle to get deals closed. So that's mm-hmm. where I really ask them to spend a lot of time um, in that area. So I think it's, it's super important. All right. Uh, and then I, I'll also also point out, Larry, just popped in my head. Unfortunately, I had it right next to me. So uh, you, I can't do my screen here. But anyway, so you kindly contributed to a uh, book uh, last summer, your go-to sales advisor, which anybody can go to uh, go to salescommunity.com and you can click on book and you can check it out there. But your uh, two awesome submissions were one was value realization, uh, which I think we touched on. And then another uh, good one is uh, around team building, analyzing candidates during the interview process. Um, so anything you want to comment about that? Yeah, I touched on that a little bit around Peter's question, sort of the, you know, the four areas that, that I think about and I evaluate on, um, you know, some being negotiable, some being, you know, non-negotiable. So that's kind of the, kind of the same thing. The, the one, I guess, additional point I'd add on the value realization thing is, you know, decision link, right, or, or tools like that are going to help you kind of build that business case. Value realization is kind of the, the backward looking for those add-on sales to say, we told you we we're going to save you X, we saved you 2X, see how great we are, and hey, let's go do some more. Yeah. Great. So we have a question from uh, Terry. 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 Uh, just joined. Thank you, Terry. Uh, congrats on your MBA. Uh, at what point in their fast growth should a successful U.S. SaaS startup look at ex- exporting to new markets such as Canada or EMEA, in your opinion? Um, I'm going I'm to chime in first because I've seen the, the bad side of this, which is, you know, the you know, CEOs, you know, always think, oh, I got to expand, I got to expand. But um, uh, <laughs> a bunch of examples I can think of, but we, we had one, uh, you know, giant loop or U.S. We're doing well. Okay. You know, we, we got to go over to London, right? So you go London, but then in pursuit of deals, the resource and the time and constraints mm-hmm. and everything else. So I'd almost say wherever you're based, kind of start there, you know, get great penetration in with the customers that are there and then expand. Don't be in any huge rush to get to Canada or get to me until you have the product market fit, until you have the process, until you have the scalability. So um, those are some of my thoughts. MJ, any uh, different opinions or anything to add? Yeah, I would say also like having the market dictate some of that where the need is. So for LifeRaft, my uh, most recent venture, we are a Canadian company, but we did 90% of our business in the US. So just even understanding how to sell. So I'll give kind of a funny example. When we first started selling, our reps were very Canadian. Um, so they were very conservative, I would say, in how they did reach outs, how they interacted with customers or prospects. And we really had to change that and be more kind of American and more um, outward in in how we were dealing with the market. On the flip side of that, if you're looking to enter a market like Canada, we it is kind of just understanding the audience and how you speak to them or how you approach them does need to align with how they do business. And I'd say even more so on the European side for all the reasons you just listed, Randy, each of those kind of countries is a very different culture. It's a different set of regulations, different 
structure in how they buy things. So understanding the market and what barriers there might be, um, what the exchange and, and kind of currency impact is going to be when you're looking at how you're going to enter them or what you think the ROI is in that market is really important, um, in my opinion. Yeah. And when I was thinking back to when I, uh, uh, in my uh, EMC days uh, in the fall of 1985, I got parachuted over to London and they said, okay, you're going to sell all over Europe, right? So I go through the French stuff and the German stuff. I'm like, this isn't going to work, you know, especially yeah. back then. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to focus in England. And then at the time I had a, uh, uh, John McAllister was the, my boss basically ru running Europe. And he came to me after, I don't know, probably three or six months and he drew a circle around London. Uh, and he said, uh, at the time we we're selling uh, memory for system 38 computers, which is an IBM computer. He said, Hey, if you just focus here, the number of sales calls that you can do, the market is more than you can cover, you know, cause I'd be driving to, you know, Wales and Scotland and, you know, you know, all over the place, but you know, there's something to be said for, you know, just that pure focus perspective for sure. Um, Larry, anything to add? I, I agree a lot with what, with what uh, you both said. I mean, I, the whole idea of the game is, is revenue acquisition, right? And I think sometimes, um, especially early stage founders, get wrapped around the idea of wanting to be a global company and, hey, we sell in all these different countries. And they lose sight of the fact that the whole, the whole goal is to capture revenue. And especially if you're a U.S.-based company launching here, there's a ton of opportunity just within this country. So, you know, why stretch yourself out resource-wise and everything else? Um, before you need to, and, and I agree with what MJ said. You know, the market will the market will push you into other areas. You start getting inbound leads from Canada and and EMEA, and it's a, it's it's to a, a volume that you go, hey, it makes sense to expand there. Then then there you go. There you go. All right, Terry. Uh, thanks for the question. Uh, now, what about speaking of value selling? So, uh, for each of you, if you're in the CFO of a client with your new consulting gigs. And you had 20 seconds um, to tell about the value that you offer. Um, I'll go to Larry while I'm just coughing. Uh, Larry, how would you answer that? <laughs> yeah, I, I already kind of hit on it uh, during the introduction of, you know, instead of going and hiring a sales leader and, and consuming a large percent of, of what you just raised as a seed round, um, you know, hire individual contributors. They're going to be the real revenue drivers. You can bring someone in like me as a consultant to, you know, at a lower cost point uh, that has all the experience of a sales leader you're going to bring in and let's get the foundation in place and, and wait till you're ready. So it turns into a cost play, you know, ultimately and cash capital preservation play. There you go. MJ. Yeah, I fully agree. I think um, using alternative resources to kind of get your house in order before hiring in very expensive resources um, to kind of help develop that strategy moving forward is is what I would lean to um, as well. And in a smaller stage company, having tactical people is very important. Like they need to be able to do it. So if you can supplement the talent pool with um, an outside consultant, for example, to help direct and structure and audit um, what it is that you're doing, I think that that's a win-win for the company. Yeah. And especially your case, that whole sales ops side. I mean, you need to know a lot of times people can get the data. I always say, you know, looking through the uh, rear view mirror, but the idea is, okay, where are you headed? What's going on? And that yeah. insight is invaluable, especially our earlier stage uh, companies for sure. Um, what about any uh, examples of uh, maybe uh, a couple, uh, one or two sales leaders that you respect and why? Uh, Larry? Yeah. I mean, there's been, there's been a ton over time. I mean, I, you know, Randy, you're definitely, you're definitely somebody that, uh, I've yeah. learned a ton through over the course of the years. P 
Peter Brennan's on here, you know, work with Peter at, at HPE. He's a phenomenal sales leader and, and a guy that I'd say I've learned from, um, you know, Peter Quirk, who, you know, you know, as well, uh, has been a great resource for me, uh, a guy named Dave Williamson that I met at Rational Software uh, years and years ago um, and, uh, and recently retired from, from IBM. And the last one I would say is a gentleman named uh, Gary Swart, who's now in the, in the VC world. Um, you know, really, really helped me early in my career to kind of be focused and understand what I needed to do and, and really sort of got me into the whole idea of value selling, you know, way, way back when. So there's a handful of people. There you go. MJ? Um, yeah, so I would say I actually found a, a, a bunch in one company. So just by fortune, I was working very closely with Securitas as an organization and some of their regional presidents and how they treat clients and, and like Dwayne Goldsby is one that comes to mind, really helped structure kind of my thoughts around how to treat clients, but also what it means to have things switch or, or change and, and what your roster of people should look like. Um, from like a macro view, I'd say they're not traditional salespeople. Um, Rand Fishkin is one person that I kind of look up to and, and read his blogs quite regularly. And then uh, Ryan Wal Walsh, who he's, I think he's the CEO of RepView. Um, on his LinkedIn, he actually has like recovering CRO. So I think he's gone through um, a lot of the player coach side and, and understands that. And it comes, um, he, I think his LinkedIn is hilarious, um, but his kind of insights on sales reps is very uh, appropriate. Awesome. So uh, with sales, we've talked about uh, revs, RevOps, but um, I think we definitely had to talk about some of the tools. So uh, MJ, I think you're kind of biased. Some of your favorites are Zoom Info and Salesforce. Yeah, I mean, Salesforce, I, and I think as long as it's a good CRM that's tooled correctly, uh, that could be whatever you need it to be. Um, in my experience, it has been Salesforce. I've also seen that um, executed very poorly, and it's kind of a reflection of that. So I think whatever kind of CRM you're going for, as long as everything is like super clean and cut and making sure that those definitions and um, stages are well understood across departments. Um, it is wild how infrequent marketing people um, are either in Salesforce or understand some of the stages of a CRM. So I think connecting those within the group helps optimize the tools. Um, and then Zoom Info, I'd say through the pandemic and going into whatever the next stage of um, kind of society is, Zoom Info, knowing who you're going after and how what what is the, the value to sell to them becomes really important. So the more intel that you can gather on the individual that you're trying to connect with is kind of why I like Zoom Info. Great. And uh, Larry, I think you've already covered off decision links. So maybe uh, talk about Gong and Outreach as some of your favorites. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, what I'm always thinking about is, and, and MJ talked about this, of, hey, let's go hire a bunch of salespeople and, and you know, hope it all works out well. I've always been more focused on the idea of, you know, productivity and sales rep productivity. And that, that spans over into the SDI world as well. So, you know, around the whole enablement function and tools that help you to get smarter, faster. And, and I think Gong, you know, is one of those sorts of tools and, and you know, sort of the, the recording and coaching and outreach is another one that I, that I think is super, super valuable. But to me, that's, you know, any tool that helps you do that. I, I think I struggle more with the idea, you know, we didn't used to have a ton of tools back in the day. Now there's a whole market of tools and, and it's, um, you know, you can, you can go overboard as well. So uh, I, think I think finding the right balance is key. 
Yeah, and I think that plays um, very much into what we've been talking about is you're going to do a needs assessment at the end of the year on what that, that tech stack is and renew based on whatever the value or the utility that you're getting out of it. So I think right. that that's, it's a bit of a full circle. Yeah, yeah 100%. All right. Well, uh, you guys have been great. Thank you so much. Uh, so maybe last question, uh, I'd like to say if there's any PG Randy story. <laughs> Larry? So so the one the one that came to mind for me, and, and this isn't, I don't know this is, if it's so much a funny story as much of a, I think everybody that knows you, Randy, will go, yep, yep, that's, that's totally Randy. But um, so this is back in, you know, after Storage Tech had been acquired by Sun, um, as I mentioned earlier, I was working in Joel Kimball's group that was storability and, and storage resource management software. And we'd taken on a few other packages of software at, at Sun. And we had, you know, the whole team together in uh, there in Burlington at Sun campus. And and uh, and Joel had Randy scheduled to come in and, and talk to the team. And and you were leading, I think, financial services at the time, right? Um, Probably, yeah. You know, just kind of yeah, talk about a little bit about value selling and, and how can we you know do better with what we were doing on the software side. And you had your knee scoped, I think, the day before. And and you know, Randy came in, and you know, he made a commitment. And boy, he showed up. And you know, he may have had a a Vicodin or, or two, you know, flowing through the system to keep the the pain low. But it was it was a good session. It was focused, and um, you know, everybody enjoyed it and learned a ton. And you know, to me, that was just more of a hey, Randy made a commitment, and knee surgery or not, he was there. So uh, that's my that's my Randy story. I remember. Thanks. As, as long as I didn't say anything inappropriate. So then M no, MJ, not that I recall. There you go. <laughs> and uh, MJ, we haven't really known each other long enough, so uh, I, don't, I don't think. I don't have any Vicodin stories, uh, unfortunately. Not yet, at least. <laughs> there you go. So uh, anyway, so Larry and MJ, that's been great. Certainly wish you uh, the best of luck in your uh, consulting endeavors. Whoever gets to work with you will definitely be uh, very lucky and get a lots of value, value from you. So uh, next week, we have episode 98, uh, Diana Shapiro, who's CEO of uh, Dynam AI, and Eric Brock, who's CEO of Ondas, and he's also on the board of Dynam AI. And then uh, rounding it out uh, the following week, uh, Annalise Hussman, who's at Gong. And then for our uh, uh, 100, I guess, episode celebration, you could say, uh, uh, Carl Eschenbach, who's at uh, Sequoia on tons of boards has done great a lot of us know him from uh, vmware days so uh anyway so uh mj and larry thanks so much everybody that's been uh, watching along either on this live or on the uh recording uh thanks so much appreciate it and thanks to decision link and if you're not members of the sales community yet go join have a great one <laughs>